Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hey friends, thanks so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am disability awareness consultant and crippled content creator, Andrew Gerza, and I'm ready to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you. This is going to be a good one, and I'm really excited for this one, so let's get started. I also want to give a quick shout-out to my friends Betty Butch, who pledged $1 a month over the weekend to keep this show going. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And I also want to thank Kate Welsh for upping their pledge from $1 a month to $5 a month. This means so much. And also, you should follow Kate's work, because they do awesome work around disability justice in and out of Toronto, you can follow them at kwelsh.ca. If you want to pledge to the show, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash content, and you can pledge as little as $1 to keep the show going, to help me do research, to help me pay for things like new equipment, and all that kind of stuff. Also, I want to do some Patreon perks like shouting out your name like I just did for Kate and, Be- and Betty. I want to do stuff like that to help to thank you for supporting this show. So every time you pledge, the week after, I'm going to make sure to say your name on the air. Thanks a lot, and now let's get to the show. So I'm pretty sure I've said it on this show before that I am dying to have a sexy sleepover with a good-looking suitor in my bed. That's my like favorite thing. I love the idea of having a sexy sleepover with a lover where we stay up all night chatting, holding each other, laughing, being goofy, and sharing in the intimacies as we get to know one another. I picture myself tumbling with a lover under a big, soft, fluffy sheet, my gimpy body curving and crippling under the weight of all the pleasure, falling asleep in each other's arms after a night of hot, crippled sex. Now, the image of me Tumbling with a lover makes me giggle because that just feels like I would fall. But in my mind's eye, that's what I want. I want to be with a lover in like sexy pajamas and giggling and laughing and having such a good time. That's one of my biggest fantasies that I have yet to engage in or explore in. And I think that's in part because of my disability. And if I was to really look at it, it's not even necessarily because of my disability per se, but it's because of the structures built around my life as a disabled person, that kind of make the idea of a sexy sleepover all but impossible for me. My life is managed and micromanaged by the schedules of other people and attendant care and all those things, and very often, the needs of the overall system override what I want or what I need. I have a set bedtime that is decided by my care team that was decided the minute I moved in here they were like this is what time you go to bed and you really don't get a say in that and we can we can rearrange that for you occasionally 
but it's very rare that that'll get to happen for you. And they told me that the minute I moved in, they were like, here is your time. We can work within that occasionally, but it really won't happen for you for you on a, on a, on a wider scale. Um, and this was different for me because when I lived in university, I could stay up as long as I wanted and there was always care available, whereas this care unit is a little bit different. So it was harder for me to kind of acclimate to that initially. Um, my bedtime is at 11 o'clock on the nose, and usually my attendant care worker, and let me kind of break down how this works. So usually my, my attendant care worker will is supposed to come at 11. Usually they will call or text me around like 10 and be like, hey, are you tired? And to be honest, I probably am tired, so I'll probably go to sleep, um, and I'll sleep then. And so then uh, they'll come and they'll start the routine. Um, and the routine is not really hard, but there is some training and understanding of my super sexy blue sling that has to happen. I have to go over how I want to be positioned. I have to take some certain medications before I go to sleep. So there are things that I'm really appreciate that the attendant comes and does. And I really like the routine because it's, I know what it is. I know what's going to happen. I know how to run that routine. I know how to do that code really well. Um, and I, appreciate that I also get to, to sleep through it a little bit because I trust my attending care worker knows what to do. Before I go to bed, I have to do a catheter. I have to take a bunch of pills. I have to get in my sexy blue sling. I have to do peri care, which is like drying and cleaning your genital area before you go to bed so that there's no skin breakdown. I have to be exactly positioned in a really, really precise way so that I'm comfortable. Um, and I have to have all my wheelchairs and disability electronics shut down and turned off because if I don't, sometimes at 4 a.m. my computer decides to play porn. <laughs> it's really happened. Or sometimes the wheelchair doesn't charge at night if we forget. So I have to make sure that everything is set up and that's a that is a really precise like, boom, boom, has to be done the right way. And I really appreciate all the care staff that I work with because I'm comfortable with that. If I had to bring a lover of any kind into that, I have been super nervous when that's happened. That's happened only a few times in my life, which I'll now get to. Uh, but I've been nervous every single time that's happened. Every single time I brought somebody in to sleep over, I've been terrified that they would see this reality. And I was thinking about it last night when I was watching my attendant put me to bed. I was thinking how comfortable I was just me, myself, in the space. And thinking if I had somebody stay over or if I was living with somebody or if we were hanging out for the night, how, how, how different my behavior would be and how I would change the way that I did care and how I would change certain things because somebody was there. And I would want them to see... I wouldn't want, well, I wouldn't want them to see my, I would, it, it's, it's such a weird thing because I would want them to see stuff to get to know me, but I'd also be like, how do I hide this and make this sexy so that I don't seem extra disabled right now? I've only had three, well, maybe four semi-adult sleepovers in my life, in my disabled sex life that I can even properly speak to. And to be honest, none of them were super memorable for me, and none of them were super enjoyable, and I'm going to go over them with you right now.
If you go back to episode 103, you'll hear the conversation I had with the awesome wine and crime gals about sex and disability. And there was a part where we talk about this guy that I was sleeping with who stopped in the middle of sex to ask me for juice because he was diabetic. And so Amanda from Wine and Crime and I have a little conversation about that. You should definitely check out 103. But this this is this is a guy where I had a sleepover with him. We had great sex. He came all the way up from Toronto to my suburb at the time where I was living to fuck me. It was, I, I thought we had an amazing time. Um, even though he asked me for juice in the middle of sex, it only made it that much better. But then... After our sleepover, he gave me a shower and did all the stuff, and then he we had breakfast and he disappeared. And that one, I mean, I was really invested because I don't let people sleep over because I don't I'm because of all the stuff that I'll kind of allude to later. But he, but I was really into this guy, and then he disappeared, and I was like, "What the fuck? That's really shitty." We never spoke again, never saw him again, and it was like, "Why would we?" do all this this is a big deal and I laid out for him before he came over how big a deal it was and then he just peaced out and I I didn't appreciate that at all sexy disabled sleepover attempt number two happened or or number two that I'm going to talk about anyway happened when I was in university I was hanging out with this French guy named Patrice who I met online and who none of my friends liked because he was super French and he was kind of like douchey and weird, um, as you might imagine a, a French person to to, uh, to be, not not that all of them are, but if you imagine them to be kind of like, oh, I'm French, any French listeners, sorry about that, but he was super douchey, um, and I was sleeping with him, and so he stayed the night in my dorm room, and we messed around, and it was, it was, I can't even remember what it was like, but I guess it was okay, and then the morning... I, after the attendant came in and I forgot to tell the attendant that he was there and so he the attendant walked in to see a man's ass in my bed being like oh that's uncomfortable and then we had to have a talk with the management about sleeping arrangements and I I felt shamed about it because Andrew you shouldn't have a boy in your bed and that was super weird for us and you have to let us know blah 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 and so it was it felt really like I was in trouble for having a sleepover Sleepover number three happened also in college. I met this guy at a bar one night, and he was like, you're really cute. Come home with me. Let's do the things. I said, sure. I brought him home. We had the sex. It was okay. He was a all right guy, I guess. Uh, we did the things, and then I found out the next day that he was a local newscaster, and I we never spoke again, but I saw him on the news like repeatedly, and that was super weird for me because I was like, hey, I sucked your dick. Like, it would be really cool if we would talk, and now I'm seeing you deliver the news. That's weird, but I guess good for you. Um, and he, I remember him being super kind of comfy with the disability thing, but I was annoyed that he also disappeared. And then if you go back to the episode where I talk about all the silly things that I did to make boys like me, I tell a story where I met a guy online and I was stuck in his hotel room because there were no cabs available that night, so I had to stay with him. And then we realized very quickly that we were not sexually compatible. And then 
I, he, I had to wake him up at 6 a.m. and, like, force him to help me get in my chair so I'd go home. He was not super nice about it. And then I had to do the, the like, roll of shame to my, to my, back to the university campus with my pants falling down. That's, those are the only four times in my life where I've had a proper sleepover with a boy. And none of them really turned out in my favor. So I haven't done it since then. And I wanted to look at popular culture the way that they talked about sleepovers and try to infuse some disability reality into that. And so for this episode, I've called it Tips for a Sexy Disabled Sleepover. When I typed stuff into the Google machine, all I saw for sexy sleepover right away was really like usual pictures of conventionally attractive People, white, able, straight, cis people in the magazines, like, rolling over and laughing and looking super, like, looking super model-esque for a sleepover thing. Um, And I was like, ew, that, ew, I want to do a photo shoot uh, that blows that trope out of the water and centers disabled, queer, non-binary, people of color having sleepovers and being sexy and being, like, on each other's backs laughing and... I want pictures of disabled people in slings with their lovers. I want all that kind of stuff. So, photographers out there, be in touch and let's do this thing. There's one photo in particular that I saw, and I'll put it up on the the social media, of a girl jumping on her male partner's back in pajamas smiling. And I thought this would make a fantastic photo of an able-bodied partner carrying the disabled partner on their back into the bed or something, smiling and laughing. Or, again, in, in a sling, smiling laughing. Or in their wheelchair, smiling laughing. In their pajamas. This is just a thought. But something has to be done. Because disabled people have sleepovers, too. One of the articles that I read suggested that there were some fun ways you can ask a partner to a sexy sleepover. Of course, none of them really dealt explicitly with how to bring our disabled identities into this. And if I'm honest, they didn't even deal with it implicitly either there was no mention of disability anywhere there were pictures of like happy again happy white able people smiling and and laughing in pajamas um the article said something like you could be really straightforward so to infuse disability into that you could say something like hey i want you to come back to my place sometime my apartment is accessible and i'd like you to stay over whoa that's a pretty big ballsy move for a disabled person to even suggest that. And as I was typing it, I was getting the ableist sweats. That's, that's, I mean, if you have the balls to do that, that's like, super, go for it. Because I would be terrified to say it, to say it as plainly as that. But if you can, do it. You might also want to go, you might, you might choose to go the more playful route. You could say, hey, I wanted to show you what my gimpy body does at night. Let me show you my dead turtle. Or, hey, want to see how I can't roll myself over at night and want to wanna help me with that? You can really make a joke about it and make it playful and fun because then you get to gauge whether or not the person is comfortable. I think adding disability humor into this really breaks the ice and it you you get to decide whether or not this is something you really want to move forward with on how they react to the joke. If they're like, 
Oh, that's not funny. I don't know if I can do any of that. Then you then you know maybe not to extend the invitation. Or be like, oh no, I was just checking. Okay, thanks. Bye. And like you can you can like safely run away from that. But if if they laugh and play with you, maybe it's something you might want to consider properly asking them. And if you're a non-disabled partner and you want to invite a disabled person over, there you can you should totally bring up their disability and be like, hey. I want to have you over, but I'm not sure how to deal with all this. Maybe make a joke about, like, the disability with them, with them, not at them. Make sure you joke with them. But talk about how, like, hey, my place is totally has stairs and I'm an asshole for it, but I want to try to get you in. What can we do? Maybe, like, there's a way to ask a disabled person over, too. And non-disabled people, you should be asking disabled people over to your place because we don't always want to invite you over to our houses. We want to come to yours to sleep over. So think about that. One of the articles that I read suggested that you should only invite sleepover sexy guests that you don't have to kick out in the morning or people who won't be rushed. Now, this is this is can be different if you're disabled because given your level of disability and or how your disability care support system is set up where you live, this can work both ways. You may want your lover to leave so you can transition from sexy gimp to professional gimp right away as soon as your care gets there. And I admit this can be super jarring. Waking up with someone who you were just intimate with only to realize that in 20 minutes your care worker is going to be there and you have to like shift gears can be hard to do. So you may feel safer and more secure in asking your lover to leave so you can make that transition easier for yourself. And I have no problem being like, hey, my person's going to be here. Thanks for coming over. Like, get the fuck out. I have no problem doing that. And the four times that I've had a sleepover, I was happy to do that. Or to at least say, hey, do you want me to get care so we all feel more comfortable? Is that what you want to do? Like, I have no problem saying, hey, care's coming. Be aware of that. That being said, though, you wanting to shift from care from like professional from lover gimp to professional gimp right away could be a sign of internalized ableism and if you think it is and it's something you want to work through and you do want your care attendants to see you're sexually viable and you deserve to have this part of your life if that's something you want your care staff to be aware of and you want to get over your own discomfort around that maybe it's okay to have your lover and your care worker in the same room awkwardly them getting you ready while they're there like that could be okay it's not always a bad thing and you might want to resist the urge to kick someone out right away and enjoy it for what it is care worker or not now it's all up to you and you as the disabled person have the agency and the right to make that choice for yourself to have someone stay or have someone go as you choose don't let the attending care worker or the lover pressure you into either thing you get to decide There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first, we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners, so we'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. 
With feminist and anti-capitalist values come as you are only carry sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, this is Dallas Steele, and I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability with Andrew Gerza. And we're back. I want to thank Come As You Are for being an amazing sponsor, and I want to thank all of you for providing your, uh, your, your 20-second ads about why this show is important to you. If you want to submit one, head over to your phone, open up the memo app, send me a 20-second memo on why Disability After Dark is important to you, and email it to disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. I'd love to hear more of these, and I'm looking for new ads. I'm also looking for new sponsorship if you want to support one of the only shows around sex and disability, and you work for, like, a sex toy company, and you work for, like, a sexuality business, and you want to support that in any way, reach out to me, and we'll let's make something happen. But now, back to the show. The next piece of advice that I saw on, in almost every single online article that I read about proper sleepover etiquette is to turn off your phone. They say that it isn't so that you don't disturb a partner at 4 a.m. from an ex. So, like, you should... They're like, don't look at your phone if you get a text from your ex at 4 a.m. Like, turn off your phone so you don't get that text. And this might be true, but for a disabled person, this advice reads as irresponsible and, frankly, unsafe. As so many of us know, our phones are literally our lifelines where we call out for help to our attending care workers, to our families, to our friends, if we need it. Mine is with me all the time. I constantly have my phone with me, have it on my lap all the time. I'm looking at it right now. As I record this, it's always on. Even if I have it on silent, I have it on with me. Um, and I would strongly rec recommend that you do not turn off your phone if you are disabled and you're having a, having a sleepover with a partner. Just don't do it. Something could happen and you might need help and don't ever turn off your phone. It's a, it's a big safety thing and I would strongly advise to not turn off your phone. I would suggest that maybe you could have your phone on silent and let your overnight guest understand the importance of your phone and talk about what that means to you as a disabled person. So, so lay out for them like, hey, I'm going to have my phone on because... I might need to call my worker and maybe we can't deal with this by ourselves. Maybe we'll have to get somebody just so I feel safer and feel more comfortable in you are in this space. I'm going to have my, my phone readily available for me. Thanks so much. Say that it's an access need because it really is. No one wants to be caught in the dead turtle position and have someone beside you who can't help you or doesn't want to help you and then have no access to your phone so you can't get help if you need something. You always want to have your phone there just in case something something cryptastic happens. Another piece of advice that I actually really liked from the mainstream magazines was to to mentally prepare yourself for somebody coming over and I think this is important for disabled people too when we consider entertaining somebody 
Go through all of the ableist fears that you have in your head before somebody comes over. So be like, oh my goodness, if they come over, this is going to happen. My lift's going to break. I'm going to pee all over them. I'm going to have a disability moment. I'm going to have, um, I'm going to, my wheelchair's going to break. They're going to be uncomfortable. They're going to not be able to handle it. My CPAP machine's going to break. I'm going to, something, something. Go through all the worst case scenarios in your brain and take a breath and realize that this lover maybe actually wants to be there with you and maybe they want to get in with your disabled body and maybe they want to sleep with you and feel your awesomeness and your disability awesomeness together as you sleep in the night. Maybe they want to and it's okay to be scared but run through that in your brain first to get over your internalized ableism a little bit. On the flip side to that, if you are inviting a if you are a non-disabled lover and you're inviting a disabled lover to your house, go over, go through your house before they get there and run over what might happen and what you may have to do to make your apartment more accessible. So move things to lap level, move things lower, see about, see about installing a grab bar, see about getting a plywood ramp. Run through all the things you would need. Call your friends and be like, hey, I'm having this sexy big dick triple over for the night tomorrow and I need I might need you to be on standby to help me get him in the house like run through all of those things too if you're a non-disabled lover and you want to have a disabled lover in your house think about all that um, and and run it through so that by the time your disabled lover knocks on the door you have figured something out to make them feel safe and comfortable I also read that you should clean up all the clutter in your house and offer a clean space for your guest to visit and sleep. In theory, this makes sense, but in practical terms, as a disabled person, especially for me as a wheelchair user, this can be a little bit more difficult. If you have the physical and emotional abilities to properly clean up and do what you can to clean up the place, or you can get an attendant care worker to help you with it, I say good for you, do your best, go to town. But you may not physically be able to, to do that or you might not be able to get a care worker available to do that right away. So, and you know, for myself, I like clutter. Now, as I say that, I know it sounds like the beginning of a TLC show about hoarding or addiction, but I just mean that sometimes clutter is great for me because I can actually reach stuff if I keep it in clutter and I know where it is. I'm actually more independent that way. And so somebody might come into your home and start judging why there's piles of stuff everywhere or they might wake up the next morning and wonder why your room looks, quote, a mess. But just explain to them the importance and sometimes the accessibility of certain types of clutter. Now, if you have shoes everywhere, that's not accessible to me. But if you have things at lap level or lower that and that, that are a bit cluttered and not put away properly that means I'll, that I'll be able to reach them better as I was going through the guides also suggested to have dim lighting in order to create a particular ambiance of sexy now as I have the privilege of full sight currently I'm all about creating a sexy backlit atmospheric vibe but I want to point out that if you were somebody with low vision or who was blind totally or visually impaired, particular lighting might be absolutely necessary. More lighting might be necessary. 
because you might need to see certain things or you can only see certain shapes or you can only see certain certain variations on things. So you might have to discuss certain lightings. And I know when we think about sex, we think about having sex in the dark because a lot of us deal with body shame and body dysmorphia and all that stuff. So you might want to talk about that with a lover and bring that up um, and bring up why you why you may have vision issues and you need full lighting and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and also talk about body shame too and work out with a lover the type of lighting that works for you given your disability or given your body shame stuff. I'll say for me that while I don't have any visual, visual impairments or disabilities, I like having the lights on during sex because I like looking at my lover and I like taking in the moment and sharing in all the visuals of that. I like looking at their, their naked body. I like them looking at my naked body. I like us to see what we're doing. So I do enjoy the lights on and I also want to make sure that I'm positioned the best way. So for me, as a disabled person, I, I, I prefer the lights on. When they talk about lighting too, they also said like, oh, just light a candle and it'll be really sexy to like entice your lover. But when I read that, I started giggling because all I could think was like, oh, that's a spastic hazard waiting to happen, at least in my case. I can just imagine trying to light the candles and having a spastic moment and throwing the candles across the room and lighting my whole apartment on fire. Now, if I wanted to maybe roll around in the soot with a lover or invite a sexy fireman over for a threesome, that I'm down for. I'm so there for that. If that's your thing, cool, but I feel like can candles and disability are just never, it's never, it's never a safe idea. Also, when we're creating an ambiance, we often talk about scents and different scents. So one of the articles suggested that you get lavender and you get all these different scents to make your house smell great. This can be good, except you might have a lover with sensory issues that might, smells might make them get really, really sick. And you might want to check in on, hey, I want to create a sexy ambiance for our get together on this day. Like what smells would work for you? What's okay? What's safe? What's not okay? How do I make this as sexy and sensual as possible in terms of olfactory smells versus like what like you getting super sick what can I do um, so talk that through with the partner too because a lot of us with disabilities have have sensory stuff around that that we can't control and if there's a smell that gets in our nose we get really violently ill so that's something we should definitely consider and I will say that wanting to have a nice scent in the house is important for me because a lot of my bedroom also turns into the place where I do a lot of my personal care. And to be super frank with you, I will shit in my sling in the morning when I when I go to use the bathroom. I shit in my sling over my bed and I, I shit onto a blue pad onto my bed and then they take it away. So when I know I'm having a lover, I'm like, oh, I want to make sure my room smells super great, but I also... Don't ever want to make my lover be sick, so my, my urge to like spray things with the air freshener is super strong, but I've avoided that because I don't want to I don't want to make anybody get super ill who I'm fucking. I hope you enjoyed me talking about my shit habits, but let's go back to to some other things the article said and, and how to make it more accessible. Um one of the articles suggested and said that you should wear pajamas that make you feel Confident and sexy. Uh, okay, when I wear pajamas, I don't feel sexy. I feel comfy and badass. 
and I'm never like, yeah, pajamas are sexy. I'm like, oh, I feel super good in these. Um, as a disabled person, I can tell you that pajamas and the materials of pajamas are not usually the most accessible pieces of clothing out there. To be honest, they tend to be really, really tight and hard to get on, at least for me with all my spasticity. So I sleep naked and I sleep with nothing on and I'm just like, I'm going to go, I'm going to free ball it. Here's my deal. This is me dealing with it. Yeah, like awesome. Um, I remember as a kid when I was putting on pajamas, my mom and dad would get me pajamas and I would wear them. I would wear them all the time because I was trying to be, you know, they were trying to be like, Andrew, this this is what you wear at night. And so they they get me pajamas and over the years, there were a bunch of PJs with a bunch of rips in them because they were trying to get my poor spastic chicken arm in the arms or get the leg through and everything would just everything would just rip. And so at home, if you go to my house with my, in my mom's house, there's like a pile of like ripped pajamas with like weird holes in weird places because they were trying to get my body through the fabric and it just didn't work. So eventually they were like, all right, you're sleeping naked. Here's why. Now, I suppose if you and a lover wanted to try out some, like, cool foreplay and make, make like, pajama putting on part of your foreplay or something, you could, like, get your partner to try to put your spastic arms through things, and that could be a fun, sexy game, and then you could make out halfway through or something. But really, I would say maybe just say to the partner, look, I have to sleep naked because of this. This is my deal. Here it is. Hope you're okay with that. Remember, too, that individuals with chronic illness or different sensory things might have sensitivities to fabrics, and PJs could be an issue, could be an issue, sexy or otherwise. So have a talk about that, too. I was going through the Google machine, and again, almost every listicle said, like, make sure you bring your overnight supplies in a discreet, sexy, like, clutch thing and it was mostly geared towards towards women and so it was like make sure you bring your sexy things like in a clutch purse and it looks really discreet and it's super sexy and I just laughed because I was like fuck disabled people can't bring anything that's discreet um <laughs> everything we bring is like super super big and overstated and giant because we have wheelchair chargers we have CPAP machines we have urinals we have slings etc etc we have all the stuff we got to bring. Um, and so I just thought, there's no way I can bring this in a sexy, sleek container. I have to go balls to the wall on this one. I was going to suggest that you go to the store and you get yourself like a nice, big coach bag and a nice, big, like, thing and you, like, really make it pretty and sexy so you can still be like, yeah, this is my sexy overnight bag, bitch. Here's all the stuff that I bring, like me. But then I was like, oh, disabled chargers and all those things get dirty really fast, and you don't want to spend all that money to like get a nice bag only to have it be dirty five seconds later. So I would say go to the dollar store, get like some get like some get like a nice ish bag from the dollar store that you can like carry stuff in. Or just go to like Bentley and get a nice suitcase that rolls in and says, Yep, this is all my stuff, and then bring your suitcase and be like this is my life. I'm coming to stay the night, but I need all these things. Deal with it. This is how I roll. Here I am. And if you own that shit, your partner might, might see how serious and how real you were about this because you thought about everything. Don't do the thing where you think to not bring something because you, you're going to be ashamed about that. Make sure you bring all the stuff you really 
truly need. Bring your meds, bring your CPAP machine, bring all your catheters, and don't be ashamed about that because if they want you to come over and be with them, this is how you're going to do it, and it's okay. It's okay. Disability is a serious business, and lovers have to get with that. I also read in, in one of these in these things, they were like, make sure you're respectful of one person's sleeping side of the bed. And again, theoretically, yes, you should be respectful of someone's sleeping arrangements in their place and whatever it is. But if, especially if you're inviting someone over to your disabled space, take up all the fucking crippled space you need to sleep and they can figure it out. Um, you want them to be comfortable, of course, but you're in, you need, our bodies need space. And so whenever I sleep, whenever I consider having a guest over or think about that, I'm always like, but no, but I need my space. And so whenever I go, whenever I go traveling to do like work stuff and I'm in a big comfy hotel bed, I splay out because my legs are over here, my legs are over here, my, my, my arms are over here, my dick's over here because of my spasms. So talk to your sleep partner about sleep positions and the reality of disability and if they have to be in the corner because you spastically you spastically like kick them out of the bed then then that's what they got to do or maybe you should like sleep on the floor with the partner in like a fort make have your partner and you make like a sexy disabled sleeping fort i would love that with the partner if we, if we were like let's not use the bed because my bed is particularly small so i'd love for a lover to be like let's sleep on the ground t together in a pillow fort and we can fuck in there and mess around and have fun like that'd be that'd be awesome i also love the idea of holding on to a partner at night not necessarily because i enjoy spooning but because then if i have to roll myself over i can actually do it basically i just grab your side at three in the morning and pull and pull you into me so that i can turn over on either side that i want and that's a great thing for me and i, I appreciate that when i have people when i have people in my bed i was at my friend's place in Ottawa, and she has CP2 a while back, and we um, we were sleeping in the same bed for just for to make things more accessible. And, and so at night, I would grab under her body and pull my body over, and it is a really good feeling to know somebody is there to help to be able to help you with that. Even if you, even if they're like fuck Andrew, stop. At least I can roll over and grab somebody. So lovers, if I grab you at night, it's not necessarily because I want to fuck around. It's because I want to roll over. Just so you know. And then they were like, make sure that after your night of passion, you like get up and you make make the bed for the lover or something like that. And I just laughed and I was like, okay, I have spastic CP and no coordination. So if you want wheelchair and tire stains all over your 800 count threadbare sheets, then I'm happy to provide that for you. But I certainly cannot make the bed for you. So there's no way I'm providing that piece of etiquette for you. Now, if you're physically able to, and you're emotionally able to do that for somebody, that's great. But if you can't, it's not a big deal. The same goes for the make them breakfast as a thank you thing. I can try to make you breakfast, but I'll probably end up throwing your food across your kitchen and making a much bigger mess than if you just made it or if we went out. Now, I can buy you breakfast as a thank you, but I certainly won't be able to make you anything. And I don't want to ruin all of your foodstuffs for the week by making a giant mess and trying to say that I was being nice. So, um, the idea of making somebody breakfast when you're severely disabled is tough. Now, if you're a non-disabled lover and you're bringing a disabled person in, yeah, for sure make them breakfast and feed it to them too. That could be super hot morning foreplay. 
I don't know. But to help them out with that. But if you're disabled, don't make breakfast for anybody because it could just lead to problems. If you're now again, if you're disabled and able to do that, go ahead. But in my case, problems would definitely arise. Just one or two final tips for non-disabled lovers bringing in a disabled lover for the night. Consider, you know, consider buying a ramp or renting a Hoyer lift. A ramp, now a ramp will run you 700 to 800 bucks to buy. Unfortunately, I was looking it up on Amazon and that's literally what they'll run you. But if you think you're going to see this person again and if it's somebody that you want to invest time in or you just think cripples are hot and you want to fuck a bunch of us, definitely get one for your place because so many of us li so many people live in like places with just one or two steps and a ramp could totally be could totally change things for that um, consider if you're seeing this disabled person long term and you want them over more regularly um, consider renting a Hoyer lift which is a special lift to get somebody in, in and out of bed uh, they'll run you uh, honestly 100 to 200 bucks a weekend you might want to consider buying one they're like two thousand dollars at cost if you're seeing this person regularly, um, buying or renting, but it shows the disabled person that you give a shit about their stuff and you give a shit about th them being there. So consider those as options to have a disabled lover in your house for the night. I don't have any other major tips. That's about it for me for sexy disabled sleepover tips. If you are a disabled person and you have a sleepover story, sleepover tips, Another suggestion for a show, if you want to be a guest, do all the things and email me, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Please go on the Apple Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Tell, tell me on there how important the show is. It helps the algorithms and gets smaller shows like mine out there to the public more. Um, leave a review there. That'd be great. Uh, tell all your friends about it. Download the show and pledge if you can thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week with a new episode thanks bye all right so that's another episode of disability after dark the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability i'm of course your host andrew gerza thank you so much for listening and being a part of this if you want to follow my work you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash cripple content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment. You help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. 
Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018